Good morning, Tim. Uh, the relationship with Max Cleland, what was it? Well, I was his press secretary for five years in his second term and th- into his third term as secretary of state. He uh, is from DeKalb County, Georgia, and specifically Lithonia, which is where the funeral services will be. Um, I met him when I was a child, and my family's hometown newspaper would cover a lot of political events, and I was a kid on the 4th of July, 1974, and he was speaking while he was running for lieutenant governor to the JCs and the assembled audience. And uh, some of the themes that you just played in that sound cut about turning your scars into stars and learning to take problems and challenges and use them to strengthen you like you know, blazing steel, really, even as you know, a young adolescent, inspired me. So I was a television reporter in Macon, Georgia in 1985, and uh, oddly went to cover an execution at the Jackson Diagnostic Center. And Steve Dykes, who was my predecessor as Cleveland's press secretary, was the media witness on behalf of the radio industry at that time. He had not been the a radio reporter for several years, but he was the witness with the sheriff when they found the body of the young woman who'd been murdered. And Steve was telling me while we were waiting on that, that he was moving on and taking a corporate job with Sprint and moving to Kansas City and that Cleveland wanted somebody young and who understood television and that, you know, I kind of wanted to get back to Atlanta. So I tossed my name in the hat, not expecting to get hired, but I did and spent five really wonderful years at the front of my career as his press secretary. And then Del Miller hired me away into his first term administration in 1990. A very broad question, Bill Crane, based on that. Uh, it, 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 run with it in any direction you choose here. Uh, what was he like? I mean, I, I'd, I'd had some brief interactions with him, interviewed him a few times over the years. I know what I know, but you obviously, in five years of working very closely with him and for him, I did, and again, take this any way you want, uh, what was the man sure. like? He always had a self-deprecating sense of humor and a joke and a story kind of to start any day or encounter. And he was always kind of, you would, you would seem if you didn't know him well, that he was a carefree individual. He was not. Um, there was always underneath that smile, which on occasion could be a mask, uh, deeper challenges and issues. And particularly in the later stages of his life, he suffered from depression and post-traumatic stress disorder and some challenges that he didn't have during the years that, that I was working with him. But for whatever reason, I don't know if he took a liking to the kid, he and I just had a very, very solid, in some respects, father-son relationship. He he was a mentor to me for years and decades after I worked for him when he was running for, for the U.S. Senate. I assisted him again when he was in the U.S. Senate. I worked on projects with him. Patricia Murphy at the AJC was also one of his press secretaries. I had the opportunity to get to know other people. And, and, of course, during some of those years, I was working for other folks who happened to be Republicans. When he ran for the U.S. Senate in 1996, I supported him. When he ran again in 2002, I financially supported him, but I ended up voting, and he was crushed for Saxby Chambliss because I thought it was time for the state political leadership to take a different direction, and I'm friends with both of them. You know, about uh, that, uh, Bill but, Crane, uh, and, and people, I think, know that about you. and it, it, You tend to, I think, lean more toward the conservative end of the political spectrum. You tell me, though, in those years of working with Max Cleland and knowing him, my recollection, and I may be a little off here, but my recollection is the divide wasn't as sharp as it is now. You you could be a Republican no, no, who supported I mean, Democrats. He was, he was a seatmate of, of state senator at that time and GOP. Chairman Paul Coverdell in the state Senate, and I worked for Coverdell later, and 
Paul would tell me amusingly, Max was not a favorite of even the Democratic leadership because he was somewhat of a maverick. He didn't always take direction orders on votes. And so they didn't give him the American with Disabilities Act didn't pass or hadn't got it wasn't law yet. He didn't uh, get any special privileges by being in a wheelchair. And so he had a, he didn't have an aisle seat and he was in a wheelchair in the state Senate. If you've been to that building mm-hmm. or either chamber, they're not exactly built for accessibility. And so Paul said his strongest memory of Max, they sat next to each other for the four years Max was in the state Senate, was Max constantly rolling over his feet. <laughs> to get to his seat because the the uh, aisle was not wide enough for him to get past him without doing that. But um, he he didn't let the setbacks of life, not having two legs and an arm, hold him back and only having his left hand, even though he was right-handed. You mentioned Stetson, which I had the pleasure of going to visit with him several times. That was his alma mater. He went to Stetson on a tennis scholarship. He was mm-hmm. six foot two. He was an athlete, and he volunteered for service in Vietnam, and he goes and, you know, more or less wakes up in Walter Reed. Uh, he was out of it for most of the time. He was in hospitals in Asia when they were stitching him back together. And, you know, when you – his last recollection was looking down and seeing as he jumped off a helicopter, a grenade at his feet, and then as he started to reach for it, realizing it didn't have a pen and then started diving on it, he actually thought for years that it had come off his own webbing and it was his own – accident he created the problem with the grenade we we later found out it was a another member of his platoon a newbie who accidentally dislodged the grenade as he was getting off the helicopter and, and i and gather that, bill that crane that on. discovery that revelation he he always described as kind of life-altering that, that that for whatever reason and maybe you know more than i do that that disclosure uh, that, that hey this wasn't my fault not that he ever blamed the other guy, but that he was able to absolve himself of responsibility. Evidently, that that was pretty significant well, in I his mean, life. I, I've never experienced anything like losing three limbs, and I and I did work with him and helped him travel. And for five years, there were times when he was injured or the one arm was injured, and you had to serve as much as a valet as press secretary. And it was frustrating, and particularly in the, you know in the early years that I worked for him, he had a car that was retrofitted that he could drive himself. One of our earliest television interviews that was i think it was 86 midterms and we were going down to 11 alive news in atlanta on peachtree street at 11 o'clock at night and i was to meet him and i did in his lobby of the building he lived in on peachtree at 10 he didn't he wasn't there and he rolls in about 10 45 he had a date it was pouring rain he was in all very good spirits and i was like sir we have to be in the building on set wired in 15 minutes he goes oh i'm not going to be the top of the show so we we careen in the car, and he's driving, and I've never been in that vehicle before. And I realize he's tying his tie with his one left hand, and that one left hand is also to handle the steering wheel, the brakes, and the foot, the floor levers that were in front of him for the gas and the brakes to move that vehicle along. I didn't think we were all going to make it to the station and back. We did. Um, but, uh, you know, he was, he was pretty independent. He lived by himself. He, you know, he did have a state driver in the later years and also uh, someone to assist him when he was in the U.S. Senate. But, you know, much of the time that he was learning to be a triple amputee, he was learning those lessons when there weren't the prosthetic devices we have today. And there was no one there to assist him. And the VA was a much smaller organization before he headed it during the Carter years. And the vet centers that we now know that counsel and handle addiction recovery issues all over the United States, he started that. And Motor Voter, which now has 95 percent of Georgians registered to vote and the largest single source of that is when you get your driver's license. He and the National Association of Secretaries of State championed that, and he got it into law in 1990 in Georgia. And 
Super Tuesday presidential preference primary. He was one of the architects of that to get the South a larger and louder voice in the presidential nominating process. It didn't give them the candidates they wanted, the Blue Dog Democrat at the time, but it did strengthen the South's hand, politically speaking, as it related to the presidential nominating process. Bill Crane, again, worked on, what did you say, five years with Max Cleland when he was Secretary of State to Georgia, known him uh, for all the years since. I appreciate your time and your insights on this. I, I had thought we might dive into some political analysis here, the elections to come. We'll do that for another day. We, we could, I'm sure, have spent a lot more time talking about Max Cleland. You, you know how to find me, and we've already had the Tim change. This one was the easy one. It's the spring <laughs> one that always gets me. There you go. Bill Crane, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for your time this morning. Take care, brother.